teaching in your 20s. Do I really know what I'm doing? Am I making a difference? How do I find the perfect work-life balance? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Teaching in Your 20s podcast. I am your host, Christina Himmelho, and in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about all the things I wish I could have told myself before I started my first year as a teacher. I want to talk through all of the things that I learned after my first year. I've been doing a lot of reflecting, and there's a lot of tips that I just want to share with you guys, um, especially if you are going into your first year teaching. Even if you're not going into your first year, maybe you can take some of these things and apply them to the upcoming school year, which is right around the corner. I think some people are even starting as I am uploading this episode. So if you are starting school, good luck and hopefully this episode can help you out with some things. Let's just get straight into it. If you didn't already know, I just finished my first year of teaching kindergarten in Florida at a Title I school. I had 18 students in my class, a very diverse group of kiddos, and had access to a paraprofessional for a good amount of the year. I wanted to give that background before talking about the things that I learned because I really believe that the setting you are in as a teacher will shape and determine the experiences that you have, especially for your first year. My experience is unique to other teachers, and I'm only touching on the things from my perspective, which is likely to be different from other teachers, other people listening to this podcast. So just as a little disclaimer, make sure to take my advice, knowing that things will most likely be a little bit different for you as you start your first year. In today's episode, I want to share all the things I wish I knew as a first-year teacher and things that I have reflected on since finishing my first year. These are things I wish someone would have told me before I started. This is in no particular order of importance because I really feel like all of this is important and it would be really hard for me to rank them in order. But to begin, we all know that teaching is such an exhausting job. You're on your feet all day long walking around your classroom, sitting with your kids at circle time, running to the copy machine, and so on. What I did not realize and what I wish somebody would have told me was that I was going to be more emotionally exhausted than physically exhausted most days. I remember the first two weeks of school, I would come home and literally fall asleep for two hours on the couch because of how exhausted I was. Once you get used to the schedule, it does get a little easier, so hang in there for the first couple of weeks, but it is so rough at the beginning of the year. Teacher tired is a real thing, and I don't think anyone who isn't a teacher will truly understand how exhausted we get. Throughout the year, what would really catch up to me would be the emotional exhaustion, and that's what I wanted to touch on. I felt such a huge sense of responsibility for my students and cared so deeply about each and every one of them. The reality of my classroom demographics meant that I had several students with heavy, heavy backgrounds and family life and just lots of things going on, and I'm not going to get into any details because this is not my story to tell, that's those students' stories to tell, but it does take a toll on you as the teacher, and I really wish that in college our professors would have just told us how much you could be emotionally drained by becoming a teacher. I feel like sometimes in our head we just have this perfect classroom image in our minds, and especially even I remember my internship, I feel like we're placed at schools and placed in classrooms where it's kind of like a perfect curation of students, but that's just not reality depending on where you're going to be teaching. Like these kids are going through a lot just like regular humans are and we aren't just tired because we're teaching a small group how to 
do reading and comprehension skills while also managing the rest of the classroom, we're tired because students share with us everything that happens in their lives and we feel so much responsibility to help them. Or at least I do. I once had a therapist tell me something a while ago that really stuck with me. He told me something along the lines of, it is so human for us to take on other people's emotions and feel other people's pain but you also have to protect yourself. And that's kind of what I would think of throughout the year when I would notice myself taking things on in a really strong and deep way. I imagine it almost as a wall of protection that we each have built up and we get to decide what we let in that will truly affect us. I've struggled with this a lot, but I've learned that I cannot take on everybody's emotions and the things that they go through if I want to be able to support and help them and make sure that I'm not draining myself. This in no way means you cannot be a person for students to trust, be a shoulder for them to lean on. Just make sure that you protect yourself as well. I think that it's so important and I mean I would journal about things just to get things out and I definitely had a good support system of like family and friends and all of that good stuff. It really is a lot emotionally and I think that's something that you just have to be a little bit mentally prepared for when you go in as a first year teacher, especially if you do relate to what I was saying about how you take on people's emotions pretty easily. The next thing that I wanted to talk about was just you are forced to master the skill skill of multitasking as a teacher. I knew that this was a thing, especially through my internship, but I feel like even with your internship, you have another teacher in there with you the entire time. And so they're doing a lot of things that then you realize as you get into your first year, oh my goodness, there's a million things that need to get done at the exact same time. And this goes even beyond being in the classroom and having kids raising their hands while you're teaching, having questions, having to adapt your lesson in real time as it's going on. Like you notice that your students aren't getting something and so you have to completely change what you were doing and then you have all your differentiation strategies. It goes beyond that because I feel like even when I had my planning period time, I was like a mad woman running around my classroom trying to get a million things done at once. If you haven't listened to the episode on how to stick close to contract hours, I talked about having like a priority to-do list that's like smack in the front of your face like if you can place that somewhere where you see it every single time because it is just so hard to remember everything that we have to do during your planning period you might have a meeting that you have to get to but then you're thinking about all of the other things that you need to get done the copies you need to make that week it's like I would go make copies and stand in the copy room like with a clipboard and also be trying to get other things done which comes hand in hand with the multitasking thing. I think what really shocked me was when you're trying as a first year teacher just getting into it. I wish somebody would have been like, yeah, you're going to feel like you're doing a million things at once because you are and you're probably going to feel very frantic and like you're running around. But somehow it all gets done. You just have to try not to stress about it. I touched on this more in my episode about sticking to contract hours. So if you want to hear more about that, definitely go ahead and check that out. I think that was actually just the previous episode that I uploaded. It's so much multitasking. It's absolutely insane. Like, especially I think about all the times that I would be sitting at my teacher table and something that I did to help out with this multitasking and just all of the overstimulation that we have as teachers is I would have, I had a little penguin sitting at my desk that was like, that would light up. And when my penguin light was on, my kids would know that they can only come to me if there's an emergency. And this is what we did during station time so that it would just minimize me having to multitask and be like helping another student 
while I was trying to teach a small group. So that's definitely a little tip that I wanted to throw in there for you guys. But along the lines of like actual teaching stuff, I did not know what to do when students would just tell me no and refuse to do their work. Why do people not talk about this more? Why is this not like a whole entire course in college? I remember the first time a kid just said, like, I don't know, you're just teaching and you're like, okay, we're gonna move on to this activity now. Like you're doing a transition and they just refuse to go to their stage or they refuse to do their work it's like what are you supposed to do when a kid is just standing there staring at you telling you no I'm not going to do this there's a couple of different strategies that I learned throughout the year but I think the biggest thing that you have to figure out first and this takes a little while like you really have to get to know your students in order to know where this is coming from are they saying no because they're seeking attention from you are they saying no because they're genuinely exhausted and they need to take a nap are they saying no because their hand hurts and they have a cut on their hand so they don't want to write? There are so many different reasons why a student could be saying no. So I think trying to really figure out where that behavior stems from is so, so, so important. And then another thing I did that worked really well, and I think specifically for kindergarten students just because they are so young, this was a very good trick, giving them options. And this is really good because you have the control over saying what your options are and deciding what these options could be and it makes it so that the student is choosing between two different things and it gives them this sense of you know they have some control over what they're doing um, but really the outcome is that they would be doing their work so for example if it was time let's say during our phonics lesson something that we would do is we had these little magnet boards and the kids would get to write their own words um, like following along with you on their board I don't know if that made sense but let's say a student is just refusing to get their mag like you've passed out materials and they're refusing to put their magnets on the board something that I would do this kind of goes along with flexible seating is I would say okay well are you, you know you go over to them you're not gonna like say this in front of the whole class you can go just like stand by their desk or something because you don't want to embarrass them or anything like that obviously but you can go and you can say okay well are you gonna do that at your table or are you going to do that at your spot at the carpet? I would always give my students a choice um, and you have to be very like consistent with that so it doesn't get out of hand or anything. That would usually distract them and kind of get them like, okay, well, I have to do this task and she's not going to let me do whatever I want. I think it's really important to just stick with what you say and follow through with your word. Another thing you could say is, oh, am I going to help you with that? Is your neighbor going to help you with that or are you going to do that on your own? And then a lot of times they'll say, no, I'm going to do it on my own and then they'd start to get to work. So that's more specific for kindergarten, but I think something similar could definitely work for the older grades as well. That's a great strategy, those two things that I would use all the time. So that's just a little tip that I can throw in there. It gets difficult when students refuse to do their work and you're just like, this is what we're doing right now. Like another thing you could do is you have consequences in your classroom. And so instead of taking away recess, we always did fun Friday on Fridays. If students didn't do their work, then they would have to do that on fun Friday. But I found that a little bit challenging because at least with kindergarten, it wouldn't really sink in with them because that's a very delayed consequence for them. So definitely having something more immediate. So if they like working with their friends, maybe like saying, okay, well, if you are not doing your work, then you're going to go have to, you guys are going to have to separate from each other. That's a very immediate consequence that can be implemented right away. I can definitely do an episode on this more in detail because I feel like I'm kind of rambling about this one thing right now. So if if you guys do want that just let me know and I can definitely do an episode about you know 
working with students that are more defiant. The next thing that I want to talk about as a first year teacher is I feel like nobody really talks about how I feel like since it's also our first year just like entering the real world and the workforce it can be really challenging to build those relationships with your coworkers and ask for help. I struggled with this so much. I think just because I'm kind of stubborn in the sense that I want to be able to figure things out on my own and I know that I'm capable of figuring things out on my own. I don't think it's that we can't figure it out on our own. It will just make your life so much easier if you ask your team for help. I know that it can be awkward to like walk into one of your teammates rooms, especially like the first or second day of school when you've just met them and ask them for help, but they have been in your shoes before and you just have to think that, you know, if I was a veteran teacher and a first-year teacher had just joined my team like you would want to help that first-year teacher out and so just I think assuming that they want to help you will calm your nerves a little bit and you'll get to know who you like who you maybe don't like as much I mean I feel like that always ends up happening and just stick with the people you know that are there for you and so I definitely had like my one teacher friend on my team or two that I knew would help me and they wouldn't get stressed about it or I knew that they weren't wouldn't be annoyed by it. Um, and I think that asking for help sooner is always so, so, so much better than not asking for help at all and drowning and just having so much work to do. And I feel like as a first-year teacher, there's so many things that you just don't know. And I don't want people to ever feel bad about asking for help for things because I mean, there were things that the first day of school where I was like, um, okay, how do I even connect my projector to my computer? Like, how do I even do that? You're not supposed to know how to do that. And I kind of, I felt nervous to ask those questions because I'm like, I feel like I should know how to do this, but I don't. Because also at every single school, sometimes the technology is different. And so you're not supposed to know everything and just be nice about it. Ask people for help. Usually people are helpful. Admin will help you out. Somebody at the school will know how to do something. So just remember to ask for help and try not to feel bad about it. I feel like this takes a lot of practice as well. The next thing that I wanted to talk about kind of ties more into, you know, your classroom culture, classroom management. The biggest tip I have for classroom management is to stick with and follow through the rules that you set in your classroom even with your best students. So when I say best students, I feel like all of our students are great, okay? I'm not trying to say that all of our students aren't great, but if you're a teacher, you know you have kids that are just, they follow the rules, they're doing everything correctly, and sometimes I feel like that's where I would catch myself being lenient and being like, oh yeah, you can go do that. Like, I know you're going to do that well. And then other students would catch on and be like, oh, but you let that student do that one thing. So now I want to do that. And it's hard your first year because it's like, you want to be nice. You want to be fun. I think this is a big mistake that first year teachers probably make. I know I made this mistake was being too nice. Like you have to be strict because these kids will try to get away with a lot of things. And especially halfway through the year, this is something that people did not tell me was how comfortable your students will get with each other. It was like as soon as I had had everything set, my classroom procedures were so beautiful. My kids were following all the rules. We were flowing all together. Everything was great. The kids start getting so comfortable with one another. This happened probably like in February and 
Then they start bickering with each other. They start arguing with each other. The tattling gets crazy. Like no one told me that. I thought that, you know, the first semester might be the hardest one. But then you get hit with this wave of like nobody can sit next to each other because they're annoyed with each other. And then you're like, guys, what happened? We've been doing these procedures for so long and now kids are like getting annoyed with each other. I don't know why. I think they just get so comfortable with each other and they're like, oh yeah, I this is my classroom. I run the school. I, I don't know. It's a very weird thing. Also, I was actually just talking about this. My sister mentioned this the other day because she works with kids sometimes. Um, she's more in like psychology. I'm going to have her on the podcast, by the way. But she was like, you remember that one time you told me that when it rains, the kids go insane? And I was like, yeah, you didn't really believe me when I told you that it like really changes their mood. She was like, yeah, well, I had like a session with maybe like five to 10 students. She's like, they were crazy. And the only difference was that it was raining outside. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what gets into these kids, but when it's raining and you have to do indoor recess, just try to survive with your students. Those are going to be very crazy days. And you just have to go with the flow of your students. I think that's another big tip that I have for first year teachers is I feel like we come into it very, you know, we want things to go a specific way and you have to be so flexible with your lessons. As I was saying before, sometimes your lessons don't work out and you have to adapt to how your students are grasping the material. You have to go with the flow of your students. If you notice that your students are super jittery, you might need like a two minute brain break and that might just reset them and get them back to the mode that you need them in in order for them to do productive learning because sometimes if you try to go against their energy levels, it just really does not work out and they cannot get any learning done if they are running around like crazy people because they have so much energy and they're five years old and they cannot sit still. So go with the flow put in brain breaks if you need it, you know, all these like little go noodle activities and there's so many resources on YouTube and all of that stuff. Pop one of those little videos on for two minutes and the kids will actually learn more than if you tried to push through it and they're not paying attention at all and they're trying to like touch each other on the head or something. I don't know. Kids are, kids are wild. Kids are crazy. The next thing that I want to talk about for first year teachers kind of goes along more with mental health. I would say there's a couple of things that I want to talk about for mental health. Some Something that was really difficult for me to get over was I'm a big to-do list girl. I like to have my to-do list. I like to scratch it all off or like highlight it or whatever when it's done and be completely done with an entire to-do list. My to-do list would go on and on and on and I swear it would never be done. Like I don't think there was a day where I was like, okay, these are all the things I need to get done today. And I got all of them done within contract hours. Like it just, it's not possible. I think that you just have to accept the fact that not everything will get done at the time that you want it to get done, but it will get done eventually and it will be okay. It's a hard pill to swallow and it can definitely cause a lot of anxiety. I think just with practice and being kind with yourself and reminding yourself that you don't have to be perfect that will take you a long way and reduce a lot of stress. Another thing that I think will help out and what I wish I would have known going into my first year was to not compare myself to other teachers. And this is so, so, so difficult, especially in the realm of social media now. 
There are so many amazing teacher influencers out there, but at times it can get so overwhelming because you have super high expectations for yourself and you see what other teachers are doing out there and you want to be the best teacher that you can, obviously. But when you start looking and seeing what everybody else is doing in a toxic way, because obviously there are time, there's a time and place to observe other teachers, try to mimic some of the things that they're doing, but sometimes it can get to a point where it's too much. So trying not to compare yourself would be great. I think also finding teacher influencers that just like make you feel happy and inspired is really important and that don't cause you anxiety. Like I feel like this also applies to just the people that I follow on social media in general. I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I always try to follow people that make me feel inspired rather than making me, I don't know, maybe feel jealous or like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that or I don't look that way or I don't dress that way. Like I should be doing that. There's never like you should be doing this or you should be doing that, especially when it comes to like classroom decor and all of that stuff. You just have to find what works for yourself and, you know, try the best that you can to not compare yourself to other teachers because you are your own teacher. It's always good to get inspiration, but at the end of the day, you're going to have your own teaching style. You're going to have things that work for you and you're your own unique person and that ties into your teaching style. So just don't compare yourself to other people. I feel like that's just like a life thing in general. The next thing, take your paid days off of work. Now, I probably will do an episode about this because it is ridiculous the amount of preparation that goes into having to take days off of work from teaching. I feel like it's a very unique profession that's like you have to do extra work to take off of work. I found that it was worth it in the end. I took the time off to do something that I enjoyed. I love traveling and I... I mean, little story time, I took a trip out to Washington and met up with one of my friends that lives out on the West Coast and went with my sister. And those are just memories that like I don't regret. I don't regret taking that time off. I don't regret having to put a couple extra hours of work in to take that time off to fill my own cup and do something that I enjoyed. Now, was I super stressed about leaving my kids with another teacher? Oh, yes, I was. I was so stressed, but that stress only lasted for like the plane ride and like an hour when I got there and then I was so immersed in the experience that I was having that it was like oh it was worth it and then you find out that you get back to your classroom and like everything is fine even if things went wrong like everything will be fine people on your team will have your back and be like watching out for your class and substitute teachers are amazing shout out to you guys plan something fun take a trip take your paid days off save if you're gonna save them up for something save them up for something fun yeah just that's that's kind of more of like a mental health thing and taking advantage of the days that we do get off because I know it can be it can be hard I feel like it's a mental block that's like I don't want to take off work there's so much we need to get done but in the grand scheme of things if you take two days off of work it's not that big of a deal and I know that everybody's school district is different with the amount of time that you have off and so like in my experience I feel like our district gave us a lot of personal days but they were also weaved in with your sick days so you had to make sure you had enough personal days to use as sick days just in case you got sick Um, but I think we had about six days for the entire year which is actually amazing since we also have obviously like Thanksgiving and Christmas off but I know that varies district to district so I don't know if that will apply to everybody if you guys don't have as many days off um but if you do take them off the next thing I want to talk about is blocking out the negativity this one I feel like I was surprised at how much I found sometimes 
coworkers or, you know, the people that you're working with that would like complain a lot. I don't want this to sound like me coming down on those people. I think just for myself, I really needed a separation from like if I'm having my lunch break, I didn't really want to be talking about school stuff. I mean, maybe if I needed advice on things, but it's like that was my time to chill and my brain needed to be turned off from teaching and I needed to have that like 20 minute break because we all know that our teacher like lunch break is ridiculous. It's so short. And also you might be eating lunch at like 1030 in the morning, depending on when your grade level has lunch, which is like crazy. But just try to block out that negativity if you are in more of a let's say like toxic environment. I don't want to say toxic environment. If you're in more of an environment where your teachers are tending to gossip a lot, maybe try to distance yourself from that. And just if they are talking about it, maybe just try to change the topic or just remove yourself from that situation. If you really need some time alone for 20 minutes, like I said earlier, we're so overstimulated as teachers. You need like that peace and quiet for even like two minutes. It's so nice to have the peace and quiet when you get it. That's more just like about protecting yourself, protecting your energy and making sure that you're trying to surround yourself with positivity as much as you can. And if that means you eating by yourself some days, if it's what you need, it's what you need. The last thing that I want to touch on in today's episode, because I'm really trying to keep these episodes short and quick, and I'm already almost at 30 minutes, is to advocate for your students even if it goes against the norm. The reason this can be so hard as a first-year teacher is because it's our first time doing this, we're the teacher coming in with little to no experience, and it just can be very intimidating to be the person trying to go against the grain. I was definitely in this situation. I'm not going to go into detail about like that specific student just because I it's not my story to tell. It's their story. It's their experience. Um, but as the teacher, that's what like this podcast is about. I'm more talking about my experience, and so my experience with this situation was that You know, I did research about what was going on and we had a behavior system in place that was for supposed to be for all students. But as we know, not all students fit into a like one box. And so I kind of was going against the norm and saying, hey, like, I really don't think that this is working out for this student. Like, can we talk about this? Talk about other ways to manage this because even though you're the first year teacher, you are the person spending the most time with that student. And if you feel like something, a procedure that there is in place at school, a system that the administration has or the behavior specialist has, and you have been trying it and you have like proof and you've been documenting that it isn't working, it is okay to schedule a meeting with that behavior specialist or whoever and talk to them about it and say, hey, like this is not working for me in my classroom and I really need help with this. Can we talk about different strategies to use? Because those administrative people are there to help you ultimately and they're trying to help the student ultimately. You're coming in with your perspective as the teacher, the person that's spending the most time with them. And that is so, so, so valuable. Even if it is your first year teaching, that doesn't discount how valuable your observations are with a student. And it is okay to do things against the norm. I think that's just like you have to advocate for your students, even if it goes against the norm. I definitely also could do a whole entire episode about that just because I'm very passionate about that and just how sometimes things need to change. Sometimes we have to adapt things. I feel like that's the main advice I have for 
this episode. I definitely could do a part two if that's something that you guys are interested in. Make sure to leave a review for the podcast. Let me know what you think of it. And in that little portion where you can like write something, you can always put a request for an episode topic, something that you want me to talk about. But I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode. I hope you were able to get something out of it. And if you are a first year teacher and you're going into your first year or if you've already started, good luck. You guys are going to be amazing. I wish you all the best and I hope that you were able to get some advice from this episode and implement it in your classroom and in your teaching and in your mental health and self-care and all of that. But thank you so, so much for listening to today's episode and make sure to connect with me on all my other platforms. I'm on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all of that fun stuff. And I will talk to you guys in next week's episode of Teaching in Your 20s.